We've all been there. You just want to fit in. Sometimes that means spending all your allowance on a new wardrobe or skipping class when you know you shouldn't. And often, sadly, it means enduring bullying from those you call your best friends. But what happens when bullying is taken too far? At what point would you know to try to get away? What if you were alone? I'm Laura. I'm here with my best friend, Marina, who hopefully doesn't kill me. And this is Grim. time on Grimm, the murder <laughs> of Laura. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hopefully not. No, Hopefully no. Not. No, because we've learned we've learned that you get caught. There's <laughs> yes. too much Only technology. Only if you Google it. Plus, it would be, you would immediately regret it because you would then have to run this podcast by yourself. You, no. No. <laughs> no. It would just be, yeah. it would just be an hour of me rocking back and forth and crying in the corner. So, like, if that's your thing, <laughs> fine. But, yeah. We really, we really regret killing Colby. It's really just I know, it, a hasn't, shame. it hasn't worked out for us. The workload's higher. We love you, Cole. <laughs> oh, speaking of people we love, before we get into the case, I want to give some Patreon shout outs. We have a couple of new ones. Ooh, ooh. Woo! So this first one, we really apologize. We weren't sure how to pronounce your name. So we're just going to cover all of our bases. And we're going to go with Adeline, Adeline, Adeline. We love you. We love you. We love all Addie, three. We yes. love you. Adeline, Adeline, <laughs> Adeline. <laughs> we love all three of your personalities. She's like, there was a fourth option and you guys didn't I know. say it. We are. We did for the record. We just spent 10 minutes Googling it and we weren't sure. And so that's why you got all three. But yeah. we love you. And if we're wrong, just message us a yes. pronunciation key on Patreon and we'll yes. give you another shout out we because you deserve to have your name pronounced correctly yes, by us. You do. <laughs> And our other Patreon, thank you for having an easy to pronounce name, Julie D. Yeah, we Julie, love you. We Yay. love you. Thank you, Julie. Yay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Woohoo! <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> so the main character of today's tragic tale is Skylar Niece. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her as we do. Okay. The name is sounding familiar yeah. to me. I did not know about this case prior to reading about it. Okay. So, but I think it, there's a lot of coverage, so I would not be surprised if you are familiar. I'll let you know. Okay. You, I'm sure you'll let me know halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Skylar was born on February 10th, 1996. To- <gasps> I know this case. <laughs> also, you just scared me. I thought you died again. <laughs> no. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. February anyway, 10th. Yes, 1996 to parents Dave and Mary. As the only child, Skylar had a good relationship with her parents. Mary didn't want children originally because she was afraid she'd be a bad mother. When she got pregnant, she and Dave weren't married and didn't even live together, despite him asking her repeatedly about both. Oh. It took a lot of convincing, but they finally moved in together when Skylar was six months old. As a side note, you're probably going to be a pretty good mother if you're concerned that you're going to be a bad mother. That was my thought, exactly. And, the, I, and yeah. she was. Yeah. The ones that are bad mothers don't question whether exactly. or not they're bad mothers. Exactly. Yeah. Joyce Apero was not concerned. No, she yeah. thought she was doing a bang up job. It was Joyce, right? That was the mom. Now yeah. I'm questioning. Okay. Or was it Karen? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Karen was the daughter. Okay, thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Skylar was a model child. She was smart, driven, and kind. She generally followed the rules and was open with her parents. Her 4.0 GPA and desire to go to school for criminal justice to become a lawyer were right on brand for her. Mm. The family had recently moved to Star City, West Virginia. Dave, a product assembler at Walmart, and Mary, an administrative assistant. Those are my creaky bones, sorry. (laughs) An administrative assistant at the cardiac lab at Ruby Memorial Hospital always made ends meet, but just barely. They had scraped together enough to move from Stonepath, a rural town to the east of bustling Morgantown, to an apartment in Star City to the west. Star City is its own town, but it reminds me of um, where we have like kind of the sub towns yeah. of the towns, which was not a thing where I grew up, but it is in Connecticut because it, it's tiny. Um, so Star City ha- is less than one square mile and the population is 1800. Wow. So it 
ironically, it reminds me of my own hometown. Um, and like where I grew up, the kids attended the town elementary school, but by the time they reached high school, they joined with kids from surrounding towns. Oh, like a regional yep. high school. And again, remembering my own experience, this was a hard transition because you go from the same faces and personalities you've seen for literally 50% of your life to a brand new set of challenges during what's already a difficult time, especially if you're on more of the sensitive side as Skylar appeared to be. Mm. Nonetheless, her friends described her as the rock they could count on. Oh, Those who knew her observed her exceptional writing skills and commented on how insightful she was. All around great kid. Did she light up a room? Yes. Yes. I didn't write it. I should have. She definitely did. It's probably in a quote somewhere in an article I read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On top of that, Skylar wasn't alone in the new school. Her best friend, Sheila, was going with her. This was extra special because although the two friends had been friends since second grade, Sheila Eddy had attended a different elementary school and middle school. They met because Sheila and Skylar's parents had brought them swimming at the community center when they were young, and then they had lots of playdates after that. Her Just, name is Sheila Eddie? Yes. Okay, that's funny, because that's my aunt and uncle's name. Like, really? Sheila and oh. Eddie. So you said <laughs> Sheila Eddie, and You I were like, like that's weird. yeah, I know them. <laughs> nope. That's her last name. That's, that is really funny. That's Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you know, we always interject and giggle, and the, like literally my next sentence is, tragically... <laughs> So I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at that. I'm still stuck on the names. Tragically, Sheila's dad had been in a severe car accident when she was about two and it left him with brain damage. Oh boy. Tara, Sheila's mom remarried as Sheila entered high school and they moved. And so that's how Sheila and Skylar ended up at um, university high school together. The last piece of the puzzle snapped into place when Skylar and Sheila met Rachel Schof in class in a class the three had together. Rachel had attended a parochial, I hate that word, parochial, yes, that school through eighth grade, and she made quite the scene when she joined the girls at UHS. Pretty and funny, the redhead was confident, and she had a reason to be. She was talented at seemingly everything, especially in theater, where she was a budding actress and singer. Oh. Like Sheila, Rachel's parents were separated. Rachel's father lived in a house across town, and Rachel preferred to spend her time there instead of at her mother's. The two women fought nearly constantly, sometimes to the point of getting physical. Rachel often lamented to her two new friends about this. Oh. I appreciate all your reactions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh? Oh. Oh. (laughs) It does help from, you know. I'm invested. I know. I appreciate it. It's better than just the noiseless facial expressions that you make on a podcast. Okay, true. True. (laughs) Touche. Although Skylar was a good influence for Sheila and Rachel, other longtime friends of Skylar attested that this new trio was bad news for Skylar. Oh, I was thinking they were like the three best friends they that were. anyone can have. Yeah, except she was like basically trapped on the roof the whole time is is how this story goes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No, it's it's not good. She began acting differently, skipping school, distancing from her other friends, and worse, her parents. She even started sneaking out regularly, although she was only caught once. So they were just a bad influence on her? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep, because they were getting into trouble. They were promiscuous. They were not good with school, not wanting to be in school. They had a lot of trouble at home. So okay, um, just kind of brought her down the wrong path. She liked them, though. Oh, she loved them. Okay. Yeah, she, right. it was their trio because she had been friends with Sheila since second grade. Okay. But it was a distant friendship. So Sheila's influence wasn't very strong, especially with, with uh, Skylar having all the other friends at school. But now you bring Sheila in daily and then add Rachel to the mix and it was not good. Okay. And Sheila and Rachel were really close. Okay. So the time uh, Skylar got caught sneaking out was in freshman year. The niece family still lived in stone path at that time on the other side of Morgantown. The girls had made a plan with a couple of older friends to go joyriding because of course they didn't have their licenses Mm -hmm. for them. Joyriding meant riding around, listening to music, maybe smoking some weed and just being anywhere but home. It also meant maybe driving a little too fast and definitely being out beyond the 10 p.m. curfew that Star City had for anyone under the age of 18. As such, when the teens flew down a long hill past an officer out on patrol, he took note and pulled them over. 
They were brought to the police station where their respective parents picked them up, except for Skylar. They couldn't reach her parents because money was even tighter for the niece family at that time, and they didn't even have a home phone. Oh my gosh. So Skylar, and this was in like 2009. So they showed up at the house, the yep. police officers. <laughs> so Skylar. Skylar got a nice escort in a cop car directly from the station. Mm. And I can't imagine wanting to open the door to a cop at one in the morning with your teenage daughter. Mm, Fortunately, no. she was okay, just right. you know, in trouble. Um, but when Skylar got inside, she was actually more distraught about how Rachel would be punished versus her, given Rachel's relationship with her mom. Oh, yeah. Mary and Dave apparently felt that was enough punishment. That was actually the extent of Skylar's um, consequences. Okay. So despite Skylar's attempts at a careless attitude, this lifestyle seemed to be in direct conflict with her true personality. Again, I get it. In high school, you are just desperately trying to fit in, even if it isn't who you are. Right. Add that to the fact that you don't actually know who you are at that point in life. Mm-hmm. It's just tough. Yeah. Now, my experience was bad enough, but that was just as social media was coming onto the scene. Like, I remember being bullied on AOL Instant Messenger. And now I think as an adult, like, just log off. Like, I know. Why are you letting this happen? But you have to. It's their whole world. Yes. You it's just, their whole world. You have to be a part of it. You have to be there. It's worse if you're not there. See... I'm, I'm dying laughing on the inside because I was bullied before social media. Um, like people left notes on my car. Like oh. <laughs> that's why would you hold on a second? We are the same age. So let's just back up for a second. I had AOL in middle school. No, so did I, but and, and you're saying you had a car. <laughs> let's in- get the timeline right here. Okay. <laughs> No, but it was before, like, you could log into AOL, but you didn't have smartphones where you could access it all the time. So if someone wanted to bully you at school, they couldn't do it on social media. So, like, they left notes on my car. Okay, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So that's not before social media. No, like, before before social media was big. It was before Facebook. It was before smartphones. But that is really what I mean, though, is, like, we could, even with having AOL at home and all that, like, you could still turn it off. You could still have a break and an escape and these kids just don't they have their cell phones 24 7 even in 2012 but they had cell phones certainly for texting um if not for facebook or twitter or whatever they just had direct access to friends as well as frenemies yeah i had a beeper that was (laughs) if you needed me you could beep me (laughs) i'm just trying to think of a little like you suck (laughs) it's just coming through on the beeper So for these kids, they had, like I said, Twitter was kind of like the biggest thing right then. They had kind of moved off of Facebook. Okay. And like, that's kind of what the parents used. And And what year is this? 2012. Okay. Um, Was MySpace a thing? I think it's past MySpace. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're moving into Facebook. Yes. And Twitter. Exactly. Twitter's popular. Okay. You're catching up. Good. (laughs) Come on. Here I am. I have arrived. (laughs) So on Twitter, quips posted in the heat of the moment during an overly dramatic fight remain there for others to read. So I am eternally grateful that we only had a MySpace and that sort of thing in that era because, you know, you just like have stupid fights and leave the, you know, the vague booking on Facebook. You leave like, you're like, God, I just hate it when people do things like that. And people are like, what happened? Yeah. Nothing. I don't want to talk about it. You know, like, thank God that that's not recorded for our past. I know. Or you just, you could only set it as like your away status. <laughs> oh my God. I had so many sad. embarrassing so away sad. messages. <laughs> I remember you could embed like a link and I put it like as a space and you could like see it. So like only people who knew it was there would see it. In yeah. reality, everybody is, God, it's so embarrassing. But at least that's gone, long yes. gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these are out there. They're going back and forth. They're texting constantly. Um, and this was the case on Thursday, July 5th. So at 16, Skylar had recently gotten a job at the Wendy's at Glenmark Center in Morgantown, just next door to Star City. She was working that night, but the earlier fight amongst the trio hadn't left her mind. At about 8 o'clock, she posted, this is classic like i would have posted something like this you doing shit like that is why i will never completely trust you (laughs) like yeah it's just classic right yep now who knows what they'd been fighting about it had started during a recent vacation to myrtle beach in june that she and sheila had taken but now the drama evolved to include rachel rachel had been distant the past few days and the turbulence was bothering skylar so much that she wrote it about wrote about it in her diary 
Just the day before, on Independence Day, Skylar had posted, sick of being at fucking home. Thanks, friends. Love hanging out with all of you, too. Because apparently Rachel and Sheila had made plans for the holiday without her. A theme that was beginning to occur more and more frequently. Oh, God. You know, there's drama, like, the drama, yeah. you're just like, oof. But, like, remember being that age? Like, yes. it it mattered. And post, yes. posting something like that oh. made you feel better, yep. even though it was stupid. Like, yep. I feel I feel for her in this moment, even I, though it's, like, yes. so juvenile. Like I, We were there. Yeah. We were all there in different ways. It wasn't Twitter for us, but we right. all lived there. But as it goes with teenage friends, that, of course, that fight did not stop the three from making plans that night. <laughs> that's Naturally. Just, that's just how it goes. They're like, fuck you, but we're still getting together Ex- at 7, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. Skylar ended her shift at 10 p.m. and drove the couple miles home. She technically didn't have her license yet, just her permit, but the family shared just one car, and Dave, that's her father, wanted to allow her some independence. Letting herself in, she chatted briefly with her parents, both of whom were still awake, which I phrase it like that because I would not be awake at 10 <laughs> o'clock, but I realized writing this, I'm like, oh, for other people, that's assumed. I'd yes. be like, it's 5 p.m. She got home, but they were awake. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? <laughs> yeah, well, they did. After grabbing some of her mom's famous sweet tea, she kissed both her parents and told them she loved them and headed to her room, of course, locking her door behind her. Is that the last thing she ever said to them? Yep. Dave and Mary breathed a sigh of relief. They always felt better when she was home with them, safe and sound. Oh. The next morning, Dave knocked on Skylar's door to wake her up. They were going to share the car to work. Skylar would drop him off before going to her next shift at Wendy's. But he heard, he heard nothing on the other side of the door, despite his loud knock. And this was surprising even with the early hour. Skylar was highly motivated by access to the family car. Dave knocked again. Still silence. Worried immediately, as only a parent can be, Dave grabbed a wire hanger from the hallway closet and popped the lock open. When he looked in, the room was empty, but Skylar's bed looked like it had been slept in. Confused, Dave asked Mary if Skylar had said where she was going. She hadn't, but Mary wasn't as concerned. Skylar was a teenager after all. She didn't always tell her parents where she was going. Maybe a friend had picked her up for work. But Dave couldn't shake the bad feeling. If that was the case, how had he not heard her leave? He was so worried that he ended up taking the day off from work to look for her. Oh my gosh. I would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting anxiety, like anxiety. Yep. Now, granted, my child is three. So if I open the door and she wasn't in her room, but I'm just, I'm just picturing opening the door and my child not being there. Exactly. When I thought they were there. I don't like this. I hate this. Nope. With no luck, he headed back home. So he was out all day. Couldn't find her. He went out to the balcony of the apartment to have a smoke and calm down. Looking around, he noticed the bench from her vanity just under the first floor window of her room, but like outside Mm. on the grass. He began to piece things together. He went back inside, straight to her room, where he found the window ever so slightly open and the screen was popped out and stored in her closet. She had snuck out. So Dave, of course, alerted Mary and the two began to panic in earnest. They started to call Skylar's friends for whom they knew the numbers, but as they received their third, nope, haven't seen her, they got a call from Wendy's saying that Skylar hadn't come to work, Mm -mm. and Skylar never missed work. Finally, Dave got a hold of Sheila, who admitted that she and Rachel had picked up Skylar around 11 the night before to go joyriding, but she assured him that they had dropped her back off at the end of the street at 11.45. This did little to ease Dave and Mary's concerns. Clearly, Skylar hadn't come back to the apartment, so what had happened in the literally hundred feet between there and where she'd been dropped off? This is like that case that Colby did where they like saw her in the driveway yes. and then she was gone forever. That's the one it reminded me of, because there is, we'll talk about surveillance, and like the, it's just that glimpse, that same concept. Mm. So Sheila and her mom, again, Tara, came over to help look for Skylar. Together with the nieces, they went door to door asking neighbors if they'd heard anything, if they'd seen Skylar, anything at all. No. Finally, the police arrived and Mary suggested they check the apartment to look at the security tapes. On the grainy video, so they did have apartment surveillance, they saw Skylar walk across the apartment parking lot at 12.31 a.m. and get in an SUV, which was not the same car that Rachel and Sheila would have been in, which was a Toyota Corolla. Everyone was so focused on the car that they didn't stop to ask why they never saw Skylar leaving around 11 the first time, nor did they wonder what 
teenagers sneak out for just 45 minutes, as Sheila's timeline of events suggested. It just never crossed their minds, even the police, to question the other 16-year-old. Oh. The police told the nieces to wait it out through the weekend that maybe Skylar had run away, even though Dave and Mary didn't think so, and nor did her friends. The distraught parents knew that their daughter wouldn't have left her contacts and case, her phone charger, or her beloved dog, Lilu. Oh. She also had, this one's also really touching, she also had a fuchsia piece of cloth cut from a nightgown that Mary had had that Skylar had kept since she was a toddler. She would not have gone anywhere without bringing goodie, as it was called. The family was paralyzed. There wasn't anything they could do except hope that someone had heard from Skylar. Dave's Aunt Joanne was of great help during this time. She uh, organized search parties, helped to distribute missing posters, and perhaps most importantly, served as the parents' sturdy emotional support. That's where technology is a blessing and a curse here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to track the shit out of my kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And be this, like, I don't think it was a thing. Was that a thing in 2012? I don't think so. It might have been if you paid like super uh-huh. duper extra for so definitely not. It was like eight ninety nine oh, right. a minute yeah. to track someone on the <laughs> yeah. internet. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't doing that with their one shared car. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that was in the cards. No, and the, their lack of a house phone. Mm, yeah, yeah. The niece's desperation was in bright contrast with Rachel and Sheila's reactions. The kids at school noticed that the other two thirds of the trio weren't as upset as you'd expect, and we always say. Um, everyone handles grief and worry differently, but True. they seem to just go on with their lives as if nothing happened. Only Sheila appeared to have changed that attitude when she and her mother continued to help Mary and Dave look for Skylar, but she didn't post anything about Skylar on Twitter, despite previously being very active. Rachel was silent too, even after she returned from church camp where she had spent two weeks leaving the day after Skylar had disappeared. When it was clear Skylar wasn't just out and about for the weekend, the local police dove into the search. The lead investigator from Star City Police was Jessica Colbank. Detective Colbank entered Skylar's information into the FBI National Crime Information Center database on the night that Skylar went missing, but that was not the extent of it. That was actually the extent of it. I added the word not. <laughs> Sorry. That was the extent of it. <laughs> I was like, that sounded so I was confident. like, ooh, what did she no, do after? No, that was, that was the extent of it. <laughs> Despite the fact that Skylar was only 16, an Amber Alert was not issued in connection with her disappearance because it didn't meet the criteria. Why? The Amber... Oh, I'm going to tell oh, you. tell me. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> so the Amber Alert, standing for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, was created after nine-year-old Amber Renee Hagerman was abducted while riding her bike in 1996. There are four criteria to activate the Amber Alert. First, law enforcement must confirm that an abduction has taken place. Second, the child must be at risk of serious injury or death. Third, there must be sufficient description of the information descriptive information of the child captor or captor's vehicle and four, the child must be under 17 since the surveillance video from the apartment showed uh skylar voluntarily getting into the vehicle authorities did not deem it an abduction and therefore the request to issue an amber alert was denied so frustrating it should be it should almost be solely age related yep yeah Exactly. Because so we'll come back yeah. to the changes that happened as a result of oh, this. Oh, I love that journey yes. for us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Do you? I do. Good. Now, everyone got their hopes up just a few days later on July 10th when a report came in that Skylar had been seen in Carolina Beach, North Carolina. And Rachel and Sheila were like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she had been seen with a redhead. So there were wild thoughts that maybe that was Rachel, oh. even though Rachel was at church camp, but... You never know. But when Detective Colbank called Rachel at camp, she claimed she didn't even know Skylar was missing. Mm-hmm. Naturally. She, yeah, exactly. So basically what you said, what? Yeah. <laughs> she did confirm the timeline that Sheila had given, though, and that the girls had dropped Skylar off. She told Colbank to call Sheila that she wasn't as close to Skylar as Sheila was, which may may have been a little true. Dave and Mary had prepared to drive down to help uh, to see if they could help confirm that the girl seen in North Carolina was Skylar. But as they were finishing to packing up the car, the police called to say, nope, they tracked the girl down and it turned out she was actually another runaway, but not Skylar. Oh, wow. Colbank had taken Sheila's official statement a day or so after Skylar disappeared, but didn't talk to Rachel immediately since she was at church camp. But the detective shared that Mary shared Mary and Dave's belief that Skylar had not run away and she was suspicious of Rachel and Sheila from the start, which is 
great for this case because she continued looking into it. Oh, good. In both interviews, Colbank tried to understand where they had gone joyriding so they could check surveillance cameras on those businesses, but the girls' answers were vague and evasive. Mm-hmm. So Colbank continued to be suspicious of both of them, especially that Sheila kept wanting to know where they were in the investigation. So had they made any progress? Had they found anything out? To Colbank, Sheila came off crafty in her answers, and Rachel seemed like she was just trying to say the right thing. So she had her her flags up. I mean, you should immediately be suspicious of them because they were the last people that were with her, too. Exactly. Yep. So... I think I think what really cursed this case is that they were just young, pretty 16-year-old girls, and I think that um, they kind of just looked over them. Yeah. You know? But before long, the investigation would see an unexpected boost from none other than the FBI. Okay. So on July 16th, 10 days after Skylar disappeared, the Blacksville branch of the Huntington National Bank was robbed. It was 10 in the morning, and a man wearing all black, including a ski mask, came in saying he had a gun. The same bank had been robbed five weeks earlier. Some initial investigation into these robberies led police to believe that brothers Dylan and Derek Conaway were involved. As they interviewed the young men, it turned out that they were friends of Skylar, Rachel, and Sheila. Oh. More than friends, in fact. Sheila and Dylan had been romantically involved. So this raised some flags with Skylar's disappearance connected to the robberies, which as an outsider, my gut is no, she's 16. (laughs) Right. But Dylan and Derek were young. They're not like, you know, and they're, they're teenagers themselves and early twenties. So, and my thought was who robs the same bank (laughs) twice in a five week period? (laughs) Apparently Apparently, they kind of got away with it. Like, they were able to do it twice. The dumbass Conway brothers who got caught by the FBI. (laughs) True, true. Idiots. So, I'm sure they had more information and more reason to believe that there was a connection than what I read. But um, not much of the information was made public. Not even to Mary and Dave. So, it seemed like the investigation slowed to a halt. At least officially. Now, unofficially, in the new world of social media, it was just heating up. Rumors were flying as to what happened, including that Skylar had run off partying. Close friends did not believe this. Run off with a boy. Also unlikely. She was not really into boys yet. And maybe she had been taken by an internet predator. Had she run into someone and been abducted that way? Had she had some kind of overdose at a party and something happened to her? Had she gotten into hard drugs? So all of these rumors are flying. There was more action online than even in the regular news circuit, which... Seemed to go hand in hand these days, but it wasn't then. And this was made evident at the return of school because basically all the students knew Skylar was missing. Right. But many of the teachers didn't. So in one class, the teacher called on Skylar during attendance. Oh my gosh. And the students were like, um, she's not here. And the teacher was like, oh, okay, I'll put it down as an absence. They were like, no, she's missing. So like the students had all this information because it was online. That's crazy. The teachers didn't. Now, one of the online hotspots was a Facebook page created by Skylar's distant cousin, Hayden Hunt. Team Skylar, with like, you know, the greater than and three heart, soon became a place to post all news related to Skylar's disappearance and express love and worry. Also, it's less than three. You know, as I was saying that, I was like, I think I have that backwards. It's just really important for 16-year-old me to correct you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now that you say it out loud. Yeah. Less than three. Thank you. I less than three you. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it, like, (laughs) rings a bell when you say that. (laughs) So people were posting all of, you know, well wishes and anything they had for information. Everyone was except for Skylar's two best friends. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. makes, that checks out. Right. Well, the silence was loud amongst the, the students who knew the trio. Sheila and Rachel were seen joking and laughing together at school, and their peers were suspicious. Mm -hmm. The girls' actions just didn't make any sense, because they continued posting on social media, like, as if nothing had happened. Just pictures of each other and whatever you do for for posts, but nothing about, oh, I miss Skylar, or anyone have any information? Nothing. That's because they knew where she was. I think so. I think so. Um, so, and then they, in general, seemed just completely detached. Like, they weren't really emotionally reacting, which, again, you never know how someone's going to react. But right. an example is when one of Sheila's other close friends made a collage of pictures of her, Rachel, and Skylar. Sheila pretended to be moved, and then the friend found out later that Sheila had taken all the pictures out. She kept the, like, collage thing to use for something else and just got rid of all the pictures. Oh. Yeah. It's very, up. Yeah. 
Now, Sheila finally made a post on the Team Skylar less than three <laughs> Facebook page, but all it said was, want my best friend back with a broken heart. Her oh. second post four days later was, all I want is for my best friend to come home. I wish I knew something to give the police a lead or something, but I don't know anything. I wish I knew something like everybody thinks I do. Come home, Skylar. It's been five weeks too long. I miss and love you. Okay, may- maybe like too little too late. Now mm-hmm. it seems like she's planting evidence. And she's also like calling out that people think she knows more than she does. So. Yeah. Now, the Facebook page actually unrelated to her was becoming really hostile, again, with those rumors flying and people making absolutely wild accusations. Mary and Dave wanted to delete these posts, but Skylar's cousin and his mom, so this is on Dave's side, they, they hadn't even met really in person, they were, they were distant cousins, said they didn't believe they should censor it, and they removed Mary and David as admins. Oh. Which just... That's really? aggressive. Yeah. And then, so Mary and Dave started their own page, Team Skylar 2012. Now, for some reason, Jennifer Hunt, so that's the cousin's mom, turned on Mary and Dave. They'd met, like, I think they met once maybe, but but Mary thought that Jennifer knew things that weren't public. And then, because she just kept posting information, although we're not sure if it's true. And then Jennifer started posting saying Mary and Dave should be considered suspicious and possibly involved in Skylar's disappearance. Okay, dude, are all the adults involved also 16? Literally. I'm like, (laughs) I was reading this. I was like, I don't even understand. It's not like they had a previous dispute or anything like that. I don't understand why you would ever treat somebody like this when their kid is missing. They had no, just no reason to do it. People like change and they thrive on drama and they just get like, they just let themselves get convinced of crazy things. Yeah. It, and it got worse. So Jennifer was posting just downright lies. Like the police were investigating Mary and Dave and not giving them any information, which was not true. And then she said she had a private email saying Skylar was fine and, and she'd share it publicly soon, which was a blatant lie. I just don't know why you, it, it must be the attention. Um, yes, but I, I just like, that's one of the problems with the internet is that people take everything as gospel that yep. you read on the internet yep. and Hey, there's a bunch of people out there just making shit up as they go. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, did you hear this? Yes. Somebody told me they have that. Ugh. They don't have that. They're full of shit. It's, it's awful. And it just, especially when you're talking, that's bad enough with like regular news, but news about your missing daughter right. is just awful yeah that's fucked up so while all that's happening on facebook where the parents are Mm -hmm. on twitter where the kids are (laughs) rachel and sheila were feeling pressure to come clean and share what they knew it was like downright harassment from like anonymous accounts and all sorts of like the people they knew too with the singular goal of getting them to confess any involvement that they thought they had okay i don't really feel that bad for them unless they weren't involved because then it's like mean bullying and they're like i didn't do it at this point we don't know anything more Meanwhile, the FBI investigators who were looking into the bank robberies were making progress. These agents talked to Mary and Dave and took Skylar's diary to look for clues. Dear diary, today I'm going to rob a bank. (laughs) I just imagine that. That's not how she sounds, but... They also got permission to search Sheila and Rachel's homes and property. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. They started with the girls' lockers, but found nothing. Um, But both of the cell phones were confiscated. The agent said when they were at the school, the administrators were cold to them, seeming to be annoyed and saying the girls just weren't in the wrong, just like crazy defending them. They did find weed in <laughs> Sheila's purse and the agents were like, oh yeah, she's perfect. And <laughs> well, I never. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I My theory is that they just didn't want the scandal or any kind of bad, they didn't want any bad press or anything at the school is my theory as to why they kind of got the cold shoulder. But Well, yeah, I mean, and like, even though it's weed, that was... 11 years ago yeah and um and in west virginia which i yeah i'm we do this every time we talk about whether weed is legal or not (laughs) like whether it was whether it is legal in that state but it certainly wasn't at that point so but the fbi and that's not what they were looking for but they were just like here um anyway they actually had no cert no success from the search so the four fbi agents desperately tried to gain traction and kept re-watching the surveillance footage from the apartment building 
finally they realized that they had never seen the girls pick Skylar up the first time mm-hmm. because 1231 was the first time. Okay. And then they realized upon closer inspection that it was not an SUV. It was Sheila's silver Toyota Corolla. How did they miss? I don't it. know. I will post a picture of the surveillance photo. It is. I don't know how they identified any car, to be honest. I'll actually show you now. So I, the only thing that I can think is that because the angle, the, the car that they thought was an SUV is like way in the background of the yeah. photo, maybe they thought it was a taller yeah. SUV and that the angle was smaller, but it, it looks like an old, yeah. small sedan to me. And also I think with, we only saw a screenshot from that video. I wonder if the video makes it clearer. You know, screenshots aren't great from old video. So maybe, maybe it was clearer, but I don't know. It probably is still one pixel, but yeah. And there was somebody just staring at it for eight hours with their eyes bleeding being like, what am I missing? I literally think that's what happened with these FBI agencies. They were like, they were exactly saying that. Like, I don't get it. What was happening? Right. So now that they figured out that it's, it's Sheila's Toyota Corolla, they validated the growing belief that Sheila and Rachel knew way more than they were admitting. Wait, I have one more comment. Yes. Isn't it wild how someone's story can color people's view of a situation so intensely that they were literally ignoring what they were looking at. I think that's exactly what happened. And I think that's why they weren't questioning like, well, you said you picked her up at 11. It's 1230. We're seeing the movement. So this must be the, like, they just went with the story. Right. And I really think that had it been a 35 year old stranger male that, that came, that they happened to ask, I think they would have questioned it a lot more, but it's her two best friends who are 16 that they were just like, okay, yeah, we knew you snuck out that checked out. Dave and Mary probably agreed with that. Yeah. So. They just like their perception of the video was so colored yep. that they, they were missing the actual truth of the video. Yeah. yeah it was exactly. right in front of their eyes. Yeah. But Ba-da-da-da. now <laughs> it was in the room, <laughs> but now the investigation was moving. So many of the friends and acquaintances were subpoenaed to appear before a federal grand jury, which was supposed to remain a secret, but of course kids talked. And so Sheila and Rachel were aware Possibly signaling a crack in her armor, Sheila admitted to her family's attorney that the girls had actually not been driving through town, as they first said. They had actually been way out of town on a very quiet, deserted stretch of road. Mm -hmm. So the FBI called Sheila and Rachel in for lie detector tests. Sheila failed hers, and we've we've had many talks about what it means to fail, but as much as you can fail one, Sheila failed one. Okay. Rachel never took one. On the way to the test, Rachel jumped out of her father's car at a stop sign and ran away. Although she was found soon after, like that evening, um, she was at her mother's office, but they let her return home with her parents. However, Rachel was unraveling. She's like, tuck and roll, bitch. <laughs> Literally. I mean, it stopped, but yes. Yes. So after Skylar's disappearance, Rachel had begun smoking more and more weed, and some said she was even doing harder drugs. Unsurprisingly, she was also slipping in school, and sadly, she was self-harming at Aww. home. So she had she was not doing well. But it all came to a head shortly after Christmas. So Skylar went missing in July. This is about five months later. Okay. Rachel had returned home from vacation with her mother, which I don't think was vacation for her. <laughs> I think it was miserable. Right. So she was relieved to finally be returning to the sanctity of her father's house. But as it turned out, her dad was planning to move back in and Rachel absolutely lost it. She had a huge blowout fight with her parents, which she FaceTimed Sheila during this fight. So she could see it. And Rachel and her mother ended up getting physical, stopping only when Rachel's mother called 911. Oh my gosh. She can be heard on the recording saying, I have an issue with a 16-year-old daughter of mine. I can't control her anymore. She's hitting us, screaming, running through the neighborhood. And then to Rachel, she says, give me the phone. No, no, this is over. And then to the dispatcher, she says, my husband's trying to contain her. Please hurry. Oh, wow. So crazy fight. Rachel barricaded herself in her room and threatened to kill herself. And so when the police got there, they broke open the door and took her into the police car. The next day, she had a mental hygiene hearing and was ended up being committed to Chestnut Ridge Center, which was a psychiatric hospital. So they called it a mental hygiene hearing? Yeah. Is that not a normal? That's what they said in the thing I read. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard that phrase, but I kind of, I'm digging it. Yeah. That's what they said. I thought, it, I assumed it was a thing and you'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So she was determined to be a danger to herself and or others. So she only stayed a week, but it was enough for her to come to her senses. She told her parents that she needed to talk to their attorney, John Ngati, so urgently, in fact, that they went straight from Chestnut Ridge Center to Ngati's office. Okay. Rachel talked with him privately at first, and when her parents joined them, Ngati gave it to them straight, saying, your daughter is directly involved in the murder of Skylar Niece. How do you digest that as a parent? I don't think they did. No. So then when Rachel arrived at the office like with the police for questioning, all the detectives' suspicions were validated that the girls had been hiding something. They figured maybe Skylar had overdosed on something and they panicked and tried to cover it up. Or maybe she'd had some kind of accident and they just like hadn't been able to wake her up and ran away. But Rachel told them point blank that she and, Ra- and Sheila had stabbed Skylar. The detectives were speechless at first and then said, let's start over. Tell us exactly what happened. What do you mean you stabbed her? Because that was brutal. Absolutely. So Rachel told her shocked audience that the murder had been planned for a few months. Why? She and Sheila had been joking in science class about killing Skylar. This joke soon turned very serious as the plan unfolded. Dude. Rachel took a shovel from her father's house and Sheila got two knives from her mother's kitchen. And in the very early morning of July 6th, Skylar snuck out to meet Sheila and Rachel for a joyride. Despite their earlier arguments, Skylar had no reason to fear for her life as they rode north. Still none when Sheila pulled off onto the dark, desolate stretch of road. Skylar could have no idea that when Sheila shut the car off and they got out, they weren't going to just sit and smoke. Standing just off the side of the road, Rachel and, Rachel and Sheila looked at each other and counted out loud. On three, the 16-year-olds who called them Skylar's besties stabbed her violently and repeatedly. Why? When they were asked that later, they said, because we didn't like her. Mm-hmm. Mm. At one point, Skylar managed to get the knife from Rachel and cut her leg, but then the two overpowered her. Skylar just kept asking why. In answer, Rachel and Sheila stabbed Skylar more than 10 times. Rachel described to detectives that Skylar's neck had made weird noises, so they stabbed her until the noises stopped. Oh my God. There was a lot of blood. When it was over, they attempted and failed to dig a grave, ultimately just covering Skylar's body with rocks and brush. They cleaned up, got changed, and went on with their lives, as one prosecutor later said. Rachel said she didn't know where the knives, bloody clothes, Skylar's purse and iPod, or shovel was. Sheila had taken care of all that. Now, learning that Skylar's disappearance and subsequent death was the responsibility of her two teenage friends, police also realized that the bank robberies were completely unrelated. Right. Which we kind of knew. Right, right. But So now it was time to bring Skylar home. Rachel brought them to the deserted stretch of Morris Run Road where she and Sheila had stopped, but it was winter now. The trees looked different. There were piles of snow. She just couldn't be sure exactly where Skylar's body was. Did they bring in dogs? They did, but not yet. They'd have to wait until the snow melted before they could resume the search. In the meantime, prosecutors would work on building a case against Sheila and try to get her to confess using their best tool, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Later, the same day that Rachel had confessed and then tried to bring police to Skylar's body, Sheila came over to visit her. Because she had tried to see her several times when Rachel was in the psychiatric hospital, but had been turned away. So Sheila was nervous about Rachel's state of mind, not surprisingly, because I think she was worried that exactly what happened would happen. Right. But she had no reason to believe that Rachel had confessed because Rachel was at home, not in a jail cell. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in this reunion, Sheila did not say anything incriminating, which Mm. is so frustrating. I think of, not that it's a joke, but did you ever watch The Sopranos? Yes. Okay. So when they're constantly trying to get Tony to oh, say anything and he just never, he near the water yeah. heater. Exactly. And he's like, did you get the packages? <laughs> you know, like suspicious oh, yeah. bitch. Yeah. It's just so frustrating. Now, thankfully it would only be another couple weeks before the snow melted enough to resume the search for Skylar's body. They brought Rachel with them as well as their cadaver dog unit. They let the dog loose in the general direction where Rachel thought Skylar's body was, and a short time later, the detective in charge of the dog realized the dog's GPS unit had fallen off. He followed where the dog had gone and spotted it. As he reached down to get it, he saw something buried under some rocks and branches. Mm-hmm. Only 15 feet from the road lay Skylar's niece's remains. Oh my god, they did, they, ugh. Now, 
I just want to know how the dog ran through there and didn't smell it. Like, isn't that your job, dog? Yeah. Anyway, that's not the point of this. Maybe, maybe the weather. It probably was. Well, because her body had been exposed to the elements for over six months. So there was, there was very little left. This was expected. What was not expected was that Skylar's head was missing. What? And now I had exactly the same reaction. I was like, wow, this got crazy. It's probably an animal. Yeah. So as shocking as it sounds, the detectives had seen it before that, you know, sadly it's often the result of the animals getting to it, but they obviously wanted to find it. It wouldn't be until two months later that they would find her, her head, um, just in like, a a field nearby. Um, and they, it caught their eye and they went and looked and it was indeed a human skull. Wow. I'm sure it happens almost never, but I fear on a daily basis, stumbling upon a corpse or (laughs) bones or skeletal remains of some kind. Where are you walking? (laughs) (laughs) Like, aren't you just like walking to work? I do not walk to work. Well, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) To your car, in your garage. (laughs) Dang, every time I go in the basement... I'm afraid I'm going to stumble over a corpse. <laughs> no, I, we've had this discussion before. Every time I see like a garbage bag on the side of the road or like a weird pile. Yes. Like even around my block, I'm like, is that a body? <laughs> Actually, we just were on the highway the other day and there was a trash bag and I was like, body. Yeah. <laughs> so like, same. I just, and yeah. again, it probably almost never happens yeah. ever. No, but... and they were, they were looking for it. They were detectives. <laughs> They're the good ones to find it. <laughs> So the discovery of the rest of Skylar's remains was the catalyst to make her murder known to the public. So previously all this was hidden because they were trying to build the case right, against right. Sheila. Many had suspected at this point, but it was still an upsetting confirmation that came on March 13th, eight months after she'd disappeared. While they had successfully recovered all of Skylar's remains, they had another problem. During the girls' drive, they had unknowingly passed into Pennsylvania, so the investigators had to figure out if Skylar had been killed before crossing state lines. So now um, the Pennsylvania authorities were involved along with West Virginia. Okay. On top of that, crossing state lines while committing a crime made it a federal offense, so the FBI was back in the picture. I was like, good thing they were already involved. Yeah, literally. Exactly. Ultimately, they landed on West Virginia, prosecuting attorney taking point since the crime had originated in West Virginia. They now said it started with kidnapping since Skylar had been lured into the car under false pretenses. Mm, So I think that still wouldn't have met the, well, maybe it would have met the abduction. Yeah, that would have met the Amber Alert had they known that. Right. But they didn't. So now with the body, the confession, and now a prosecutor, Rachel was finally put into custody on April 30th. She had turned herself in. The family knew it was coming. In fact, they'd used the extra time in April to take a trip to Virginia Beach. Oh, nice. This received a lot of criticism looking back after she was under arrest. Like, why had she been allowed to leave the state? Right. But in reality, it was to see Rachel's aging grandparents for what they figured would be the last time. And it was. Rachel was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Now, due to the lesser second-degree murder charge, which she got for cooperating with police, Mm -hmm. She was eligible for parole in 10 years. During the hearing, she had a chance to address the court. Through tears, she said, and I'll quote this one, I am so sorry. I don't know if there's a proper way to make this apology because there are not even words to describe the guilt and remorse that I feel each day for what I've done. The person that did that was not the real me, not the person I am, not what I'm made of and not what I believe in. I don't think I ever thought this would happen. I became scared and caught up in something I did not want to do. I never realized the gravity of my actions and how many people I've hurt. I hurt the niece family and those who loved Skylar. I hurt my parents and shamed my family. I hurt my teachers and those who believed in me. And I hurt my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God bring eternal peace to Skylar and the entire niece family. And I pray each day for forgiveness. If you're going to apologize, that's a pretty good way to do it. It was a pretty good apology. And I want to be mad, but... yeah. I don't know. Oh, I'm still mad. I have. I'm verklempt. I'm still mad. I'm verklempt over that apology. Mm, Yes. Well, that's the only one you're going to get. Sheila was arrested the same day as Rachel, but it was more of a surprise to her. Police had called her mother while they were out to lunch and said they needed to um, come down for some more questioning. When they exited the restaurant, they were met with several officers. Following that, Sheila's arraignment hearing was brief, less than 30 minutes, but because she was underage, no one in the public even knew about it. Mm. However, in September, Sheila was transferred from juvenile court to criminal, meaning she'd now be tried as an adult. This also meant that her name could be known publicly. Good. Yep. 
she pled not guilty to one count of first degree murder, one count of kidnapping and two counts of conspiracy to commit kidnapping and murder. She was denied bail and they were working on determining which court would hold the trial since the case had been all over the media. Finally, Mm -hmm. but none of it would be necessary in January. Sheila changed her plea to guilty on all counts. Oh, despite this change, unlike Rachel, she never acknowledged what she did or apologized to the nieces. Oh, and that wasn't part of a plea deal. She just changed it. Yep. Oh, so she was sentenced to life in jail but with the possibility for parole in 15 years. And that was thanks to the mercy law. It was a precedent set by Miller versus Alabama, where it was found that a sentence without mercy upon upon a juvenile would be a violation of the cruel and inhuman punishment provisions of the United States constitution. In other words, you can't, they believed that you couldn't have, uh, or they set the precedent that you couldn't put a juvenile in jail for the rest of their life without having parole. And that goes to all of the psychology that we've talked about yes. where they juveniles yep. brains are not fully developed yep. until they're in their twenties. And exactly now. So I generally get that because it's not guaranteed you're getting, you're not getting out in 15 years. You're right. just eligible for parole. The only thing that's a little confusing to me on that is she had transferred to the criminal court. So I didn't think she was being tried as a juvenile and it's surprising. I mean, I did not dive into the the case law on this, but I was surprised that you could still have that. I mean, she was a juvenile at the time. So maybe it's when it happened. I this, don't know. This states, it, it gets complicated and it's, it differs across the states, that but makes sense. you know, some states have where you can transfer kids when they're 16 and 17, mm. depending on the crime. Others have it as low as 15. Others you have to be 18. Like, and that changes. And then, so the application of the Supreme Court's um, ruling onto those various statutes um, differs from state to state. So I do not know West Virginia's off the top of my head. But But that rings a bell from the Craig Price episode in Rhode Island because there was something about when he would be considered a juvenile or not. And so, okay. Right. That makes sense. It makes enough sense that it doesn't bother me anymore. (laughs) So thank you. You're welcome. So with her killers finally behind bars, the nieces created a touching memorial for Skylar on the lonely stretch of road where their daughter took her last breath. They installed a bench, a handmade bench, and it bears the inscription, in loving memory, Skylar A. Niece, 1996 to 2012. I'll post pictures of the, uh, it's beautiful. Dave said of the memorial, something horrible happened here, but I want to take the horrible thing and try to turn it into something good. A place that people can come and remember the good little girl that she was. Oh, they used this dedication ceremony as a makeshift memorial service. They were actually still waiting for Skylar's body to be released. There was a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of articles on, there was just like a political pissing fight basically between the States and the FBI and the prosecutors. And to the point where Dave was actually protesting, like release the body, like all of it had been figured out, release the body. So I didn't go into all the detail, but finally, after a lot of this delay, they were able to provide or to plan the private ceremony just past the anniversary of Skylar's murder. They also held a public service that extended over several days and drew people from near and far, even those who didn't know Skylar. Dave's closing words at the event as he spoke towards the picture of his only child, I literally cried writing this and I may cry telling you. No one can ever hurt you again, baby. Oh, Lord. There is one silver lining to the dark storm clouds of Skylar's senseless death. I mentioned this earlier, but a woman named Becky Bailey had followed Skylar's story and was increasingly frustrated that the Amber Alert had not been issued. Okay, yes, yes. Take me on this journey. Granted, in this particular case, it wouldn't have mattered. However, as it turns out, Becky had gone to school with Dave, but she was championing for change before she even realized it was his daughter. Oh, wow. She posted an online petition to change the Amber Alert based on Skylar's case, receiving over 23,000 signatures in just a few months. Tom Bloom, a former UHS counselor, and that's the high school that the girls went to, who had known Dave for decades and recently been elected to be a commissioner, came together with Chuck Yoakum to formalize the petition and brought it to other politicians to get it into law. And they were successful. Skylar's law was officially passed into legislation on April 29th, 2013. I love that. So the, the amendment mandates that the Amber Alert treat all missing children and teenagers, regardless of how they came to be missing, as actual kidnapping cases, unless an investigation proves otherwise. Good. Yep. Because it, it, a lot of, I think where, um, I forgot to write this in, but um, a lot of the issues were like, if a parent took a kid, it's right. not technically kidnapping, but also like 
they need to find their kid and the right. kid could be in danger yes. and all that. So, um, so that's in law now. And not only that, I would rather it be overprotective yes. and then find them and be like, we just went just for kidding. yogurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also, that's random. I was thinking like frozen yogurt. <laughs> People are just like, you want to go for some yogurt? <laughs> some warm yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I wouldn't have even noted. I think my brain thought you meant frozen I yogurt. I meant so. frozen yogurt, yeah. but I realized I just said yogurt, and that's a weird yeah, thing to go <laughs> out with your parent for. Well, that's why you need the Amber Alert. <laughs> I know. Okay. You should definitely call an Amber <laughs> Alert on somebody <laughs> taking their kid out for yogurt. It's not right. It's not right. <laughs> what if they're lactose intolerant? <laughs> Great danger. What if they're allergic to dairy like my son? It's goof. Get okay. the cops. Close. I said lactose intolerant. So the lactose, not. They just well, make them farty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, I have one more timely okay. update. Mm -hmm. Although Sheila isn't eligible for parole until 2028, Rachel just had her parole hearing at the beginning of this month. So this is May 2023. Oh. In her testimony, she claimed that she and Sheila were in a romantic relationship. Oh, and damn. And Skylar found out about it. Oh, damn, that's some hot tea. Yes. And it kind of checks out. I, like, I don't, There, I had read about it before this hearing and i was like oh that sounds like people just making things up because it's a good story but then she said this in her hearing and it kind of checks out that like rachel and sheila got really close and were leaving skylar out now that always that can happen with three like a group of three but i wonder i don't know that would make me feel a little bit better than just they were two teenage yes. sociopaths yes. who just thought it would be fun to kill someone because right. they didn't like them well and you add to the, this to the layer or add to the layer add the layer do something with the layer what are you doing with the layers i don't know, know. that rachel's family was deeply religious oh, so i think yeah. if you add to that and her bad relationship with her mom already okay you could maybe make an argument so she says they just didn't know how to handle it and that's why now murders like you could probably blackmail a lot easier right um right. but still she also claimed that she, Rachel, was high at the time, which she had said basically the whole time that she was getting questioned in the beginning. She kept being like, oh, I don't know what happened. I was high. So I don't know. I think she's still using that. It didn't matter. Rachel was denied parole and has to wait until the same year as her BFF to try again. Okay. Um, Dave's statement. So Dave and Mary were always in the news and giving statements. Mary tended to be behind the scenes, obviously still there. And Dave was really well regarded for just how eloquent he was and just really, he's really well spoken. And um, so he has a statement that he put out in response to Rachel's parole um, before the decision was made, but it's like to the parole board. It's a bit long, but I do want to read it. And it's going to make me cry because I, I don't know. I think okay. so. it's a little bit of like, yeah. And then a little, okay. you know, so. All right. hit me with it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the West Virginia Parole Bowl. <laughs> nope. That sounds really fun. Parole Bowl? <laughs> that would be really fun. Okay, I'm Isn't sorry. there a movie about that with Adam Sandler? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. The Longest Yard? Is that yes. That? It's yeah, really funny. It's really, a, okay. That is a funny movie. Okay. All right. Hit me with it again. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for the opportunity to tell you why I believe this inmate should not be granted parole. Because of that malicious monster, my child never got a limo for her prom. Instead, she got a ride in a coroner's vehicle. Also, there was no sparkling gown for Skylar, just a body bag. She will never, I'm giving myself goosebumps. She will never have the, a certificate of graduation, only a death certificate. Oh my God, the imagery. Mm -hmm. This narcissistic, first degree, cold-blooded killer is not sorry for the brutal murder of my only child. It's my belief that she is proud she murdered my daughter in cold blood. The day after she plunged kitchen knives into my child, this devil was seen on a friend's boat, smiling and posing for photographs. The date of July 6th, 2012 was chosen for a specific reason. This beast wanted the killing out of the way before she left for church camp. Just another task to mark off her list, like standing over my child saying, die bitch, as my baby girl took her last breath, because the evil butcher didn't want to be her friend. Oh my God. I wasn't there to defend my baby girl from this diabolical killer on July 6th, but I'm here today to do everything within my power to make sure she stays behind bars. This inmate has proven that she is both evil and mentally unstable. No one can fix that kind of madness. I believe if she is paroled, she will kill again. Murder is a game to this inmate. Ladies and gentlemen, that is insanity. This person has proven to be a narcissist and is a dangerous person who has no remorse in the least. 
This inmate has destroyed so many lives when she murdered Skylar. This inmate is just the rat that narked and got a deal. Yes, she showed us where she murdered Skylar, yet she is also the narcissist's liar that put my daughter in that place. This monster is a danger to society. If released, no parent can close their eyes at night without fear that their own child could possibly be the next victim. This vicious murderer sits here today asking for a second chance. I ask you, where is Skylar's second chance? Where was her second chance when the monster counted to three and began to slash and stab at my only child? I don't want to live in a world without Skylar, but I have to. I want to make sure it's as, po- as safe as possible from predators like this one. I ask that you deny parole for this diabolical butcher and allow Skylar's mother and I the knowledge that her killer will not be granted the reality of adulthood that our daughter was never allowed to experience. Wow. Whew. So he is just, I, I gave myself, well, he gave me chills through that because it's just, that's, I understand the mercy law and all that, but man, it's like, he's right. Skylar doesn't have a second chance. I know. know. And that's one thing is I, I swear that being a defense attorney is like ingrained into my bones because I feel, I really do feel so terrible for Skylar and Mm -hmm. her father. And I'm not saying what I'm about to say in any way diminishes the fact that she is gone, but I wouldn't expect her to be someone that would repeat that behavior. I was thinking the same thing. She was 16. She was so dumb. She was under the toxic influence Mm -hmm. of this other friend. Mm -hmm. You saw the effect they had on Skylar together. So now they're probably not going to be together anymore, like as friends. And that was like a, that wasn't a a random situation. It wasn't a random killing. It wasn't like a robbery gone wrong or like, again, it was cold blooded, like cold blooded. Definitely. But it was a dumbass 16 year old in a very specific situation. Yeah. And I just wouldn't expect her to do it again. I'm not sure that I would think that she should serve life in prison for that dumbass mistake that she made at 16. But we'll see. Skylar will never never have a life yeah yeah it's so hard it's so i know and i just i don't know i'm i'm curious what will happen in the next parole hearing and you know like it's only i say only but it's only been 10 years you know she's still young so maybe there's you know i don't know in 30 years is that does that well i guess she's out in 30 years but um, she can serve more than 10 yeah that's fine you like you took away her whole you took away her whole life so you should lose all your best years and that'll that'll fuck you up you know, like you're, you didn't go to college. You now have to get, you didn't finish high school unless you did in prison. Yeah. You have missed out on probably meeting people and getting a career. So like you are, even if you're not in jail the rest of your life, it is affecting the rest of your life negatively, right. which is good. Right. Um, but yeah, crazy. I also, um, I forgot to mention in the beginning that I did read a book for this case. I read a whole bunch of articles too, but I got a ton of great information by, um, in the book, called The Savage Murder of Skylar Niece, The Truth Behind the Headlines. It's by Deline Barry and Jeffrey Fuller. And they did um, a lot of interviews directly with the family and uh, had some really good information. I And like I said, I read through a billion research articles, a billion articles for bazillion, it. Bazillion, bazillion. Yeah, there was a lot of information. So were you familiar with this case? Yeah, I'm curious. I was not, no. Okay. But um, Laura did also show me a picture of um, Rachel and Sheila. Oh, yeah. In their prison tans, Mm -hmm. and they are orange as the new black looking motherfuckers. (laughs) And nobody has the right to look that good in prison tans, is all I'm going to say. There were a lot of complaints. I think it was during Sheila's, yeah, uh, maybe it was one of their hearings that that she was like smiling during it and didn't appear upset. And it's it's just, I think, I can't tell what was going on with those girls' minds. It sounds to me like Sheila is the ringleader. I think so. She yeah. sounds like she was completely yeah. unaffected and more like the most sociopathic. Yeah. And I yeah. think she pulled the others yeah. along the path with her. And that's kind of my sense too, especially when you, when you have heard everything leading up to it. And then I think the fact that Rachel cracked, it's like not hard. like she seemed like she was like, and it's just insane though, because Sheila is the one that was friends with Skylar since she was two. And then Rachel's the one who has the religious family. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's very, very sad. So young. And when you see the pictures, Sheila is such a baby. She, uh, not Sheila, um, Skylar is just such a baby. She's so little. 
Um, and like even seeing the three of them post together, it's like your classic, like, well, I guess it's not my space, but your classic selfie oh, angle. And it's just like, how can you, how can you murder? And that's where I really think to your point earlier about the, um, just assumptions coloring the investigation. I really think they, it didn't cross their minds that these right. two girls could have anything to do with it until they started being suspicious. Right. So. Wow. I'm depressed. If you're enjoying Grimm. <laughs> i'm not <laughs> if anyone else is um it is it is a sad one any i'm telling you anytime young lives are lost and lives lost is bad but young lives lost really anytime i read like 1996 as a birthday i'm like oh the future but if you're enjoying it's grim <laughs> it, the future is so grim <laughs> make sure you're getting the most in between episodes you can find us on instagram at grim crime podcast and on facebook searching grim a true crime podcast or even better, you can subscribe to our Patreon by searching Grim A True Crime Podcast on the Patreon app or website. And as you heard earlier, you'll get a shout out. And depending on the tier, you can join us on Discord where we always talk about stuff and it's really fun. You can also send us an email at grimcrimepodcast.gmail.com. And that is where you can send case suggestions or you can DMS or whatever you want to do. Let us know. We actually have a giant list of case suggestions, so we'll get working on those. Wherever you do listen, please rate us or even better, leave a written review. We got one literally just before we started recording and it just was the nicest review and made our day. And we just, it's so awesome. So thank you for that. We squeal with joy. We do. Yes. Thank, thank, thank us that we don't put it on the recording, <laughs> but thanks for being here. And remember to listen, learn and stay alive until next time, because the future is grim. <laughs>